There are so many things that I wish could be buried in the deepest parts of my mind. There are things that I pray could be locked away forever. The truth, though, is that once something like that happens, there really is no way to get away from it. And I guess that is why I felt the need to share my story with everyone. The only way to stop it from eating away at my mind might be to let others know what happened to my friends and I that weekend. You see, school had just gotten out, and I wanted to do something noteworthy to start off summer break. I was always a sucker for the outdoors, so I talked to my best friend, Michael, about going camping in the forest. It was a little sketchy at first, but we had been on these types of trips before. During those times, things always turned out great, and so he agreed, and from that point, we got the others to join us. In the end, it was me, Michael, Jesse, and Samantha, all packed into a single car driving down the highway. Our trunk was stuffed to the brim with food, tents, and all the gear we were going to need. Of all the places we could have gone to in Canada, we chose the Aspen Parkland. Now, I can't remember what it was that made me choose that place. When it came down to it, I remember pointing to the closest place on Google Maps, and we started our journey. It took us about three hours to drive up there, but when we stepped out of that car and felt the breeze push against our skin, we knew that it was well worth the wait. I hopped onto the hood of my car immediately and closed my eyes as the wind blew through my hair. Jesse and Michael were out running through the field of grass, trying to race each other, and Samantha, of course, had gone to the one spot upwind and lit up a cigarette. The smoke made me open my eyes immediately, just to see her sitting in the grass like a native with her legs crossed. I was planning to yell at her, but I didn't see the point, so I slid off the hood and unlocked the trunk. All of our bags had been packed before we got there, so I grabbed mine and I jimmied it over my shoulders. Samantha bolted up from the ground and ran over to get hers on. We're heading out already? Might as well, I said back to her. And with that, she got her pack on, and we both called out to Michael and Jesse, who got theirs on. The four of us felt like explorers of some kind when we set off into the wilderness. The weather was a bit chilly, but the adventure in our hearts was far beyond that of any child. Maybe that is pulling threads a little too thin, but... I'm just being honest with the way I felt. We must have walked for a good mile before we reached the forest line that we had spotted earlier. I was the first to enter the brush, and I beckoned the others after me. They followed close behind since I was the only one with any real outdoor experience. And more than once, a few of them jumped back in fright of a sight of a squirrel, or anything that moved for that matter. And when we had reached an opening in the trees, we had found a small creek to fill up our canteens. As I filled my canteen, they all stopped dead in their tracks to look up. My head rose to meet their gaze, and the four of us saw it. There was a beautiful Canadian moose, 
just a few feet away from the creek we were resting at. We watched as it drank from the creek, completely ignoring us. Samantha struggled to get her phone out to take a picture, while Michael tried to get closer too, so that I could whisper out some moose trivia. It stayed there at the creek for only about five minutes before leaving, but it made an impression on all of us. I wish that could have been where we headed back to the car and set up our tents, but fate had other things planned for us. Just as the moose was out of our view, we saw something else emerge from the forest. On the other side of the creek, at the top of a small hill, was a completely naked man. He was tall and muscular, with hair covering his chest and legs like a wild beast. His sideburns were like delicious lamb chops of fury. His eyebrows were angled strongly enough to invoke fear into all of us. We were scared the second we saw him, and we became petrified when we saw the hand axe clutched in his right palm. None of us dared speak, but he saw the four of us there at the creek with our canteens in our hands, and he called out to us in his thick Canadian accent, Hey, you youngsters, what are you doing around these parts? Don't you know there's a serial killer around here trying to kill people? Michael locked eyes with the man and shook his head in despair. None of us dared look away from his naked body for even a second. We kept our vision dead square upon him. He would occasionally scratch his junk while the soft wind blew against our faces, and in that moment, it felt like we were in a swamp filled thick with maple syrup. I tried to stay calm, but... I knew that he was seriously messed up when he procured a stack of pancakes from out of nowhere and then began to eat them right in front of us. I tried to resist the urge to go and join him, and luckily my willpower was strong enough to hold me back. Jesse's willpower was not. He removed his pack and began stepping towards the naked Canadian. We tried to warn him. But he was in a trance. He stood beside the crazed Canadian. You, uh, you mind if I have some? Jesse asked. The Canadian raised his hatchet and brought it down into the stack of pancakes, cutting them dead in half and then handing the other half to Jesse. Sure thing, eh? Have as much as you'd like. I got plenty with me. And just when we thought the horror was over, the Canadian lowered his hands again and pulled up several more plates loaded with pancakes. I tried to be polite about it when he offered them to me. Uh, no thank you, sir. I'm not very hungry. But every time I rejected his offers, I felt a knot tie inside my heart. I knew the polite thing to do would be to accept the pancakes, but doing so would mean my doom. It was already happening to Jesse. The Canadian man was talking to him and making him feel nice and at home, but I could never trust the fully nude man since the incident at summer camp. Uh, maybe a semi-nude man, but definitely not a completely naked one. And so there Jesse and the man sat, right at the top of the ridge by the creek. 
The two of them sat there eating those fluffy light pancakes with sweet sticky syrup topping, and it made the rest of us water at the mouth. But our pre-assumptions were broken, and we learned how bitter the syrup could be. The Canadian stood up after finishing his plate of pancakes, and he pulled out a large pot. Once again, I have no idea where he was getting these things. He lifted the pot above his head, and we could see steam rising through the top. Before we could warn him, we watched as boiling hot syrup was poured all over his body. Jesse screamed out so loudly that it seemed like his mouth was about to break. Sorry about that, eh? My hand slipped. Those words swept through us like fire, and we knew he was still the sadistic and polite Canadian we had known him to be. But what could we do? He apologized, and because of that, it would be rude if we ran away, and so we stood still and gave him some common courtesy. I was shocked to find that although Jesse was an agonizing pain, he stood still and tried to finish the pancakes. There was not much else he could do in the presence of such a polite man. I took my eyes off of him for a second and found him again with his hand upon his hatchet and his hatchet inside of Mike's head. Mike's body twitching with the blade deep in his head and uttered out the words, Why? The Canadian smiled and placed one hand against the back of his head and said, Oh, geez, eh? I just seem to be a klutz today. I'm sorry about all that. Didn't mean to stab ya. God damn it, I thought to myself. With all of this politeness, he might just get the best of us. Sam and I clutched our hands together and closed our eyes. The last thing we saw was the Canadian walking towards us with his hatchet, waiting to accidentally run into us with it. We waited for the blade to pierce us, but it never did. Instead, we heard nothing but silence. Then we smelt it. The fresh aroma of maple leaves. When we finally had the courage to open our eyes, we saw our red-clothed savior standing between the killer and us. It was a Canadian trooper in full apparel, with his entire body in the master of manners position. Uh, don't worry, kids. You're safe now. My soul flew back into the realm of existence when I heard him say that to me. I doubted his power at first, but... The two Canadians were locked in battle of politeness, and every second they fought was a second Samantha and I would be alive. Nothing happened for the longest time. It was just the wind blowing and a few hand signals between the two. Occasionally, they would bow. But our hero was turned into a monster when the naked Canadian said to the trooper, Would you please kill that girl behind you? Shit, he did it again. He asked politely, and now the Canadian trooper had his hands around Samantha. Tears rolled down his eyes as life left her body, and the blood disappeared from her anguished face. 
She collapsed, and the hatchet was now deep inside the trooper, with the naked Canadian behind him, whispering into his ear. Oh, I... sorry about that, eh? I was just trying to murder you. No problem, eh? Said the trooper as he fell to the floor with the hatchet still firm in his back. I know for certain I would have been next if it weren't firm my quick thinking. Excuse me, sir. Would you mind if I just run back to my car and escape your murderous rampage? The words came blurting out of my mouth and I ended up having to say the phrase twice, but it worked. The naked man grew tired in his eyes as he waited patiently for me to escape his bloodlust. And so, I did just that. I ran at a steady pace all the way to my car, and when the keys met the ignition, my foot met the pedal, and my memories left that place behind. I told the police about it several days later, but they never went to search for him, because doing so would be impolite by... Canadian police standards. They did, however, find the dead bodies of my friends in that forest. The polite and murderous Canadian had properly buried them. It was a nice gesture, but only I knew the truth about his intentions. Only I knew the true shades of his swelling, predatorial nature. To this day, the scars on my psyche remain apparent in my life. No longer can I eat pancakes, and the smell of maple syrup makes me nauseous. My hands begin to shake whenever I turn on the hokey channel. Even though I know he is gone, I never know for how long. Even now I still have haunting dreams of his presence. I found maple leaves in my mailbox, and sometimes when I go shopping... There's someone politely holding the door for me. But most of all, I still hear his animalistic call. Hey, it says. Hey, the voice calls across the distance between us. The words themselves bring chills to my spine. And to this day, I wait for him to return and to politely finish me off.